and welcome to this week's edition of This Woman Can. I am your host, Janice Sutherland, and as ever, I am passionate about helping ambitious women take action in their careers, become impactful leaders, and create more wins in their life. Now, over the past few episodes, we have been talking all about entrepreneurship, and this is really prevalent because I'm seeing a lot of women now considering their options. Maybe they've lost their job as a result of the pandemic. Maybe, maybe they've been on furlough and they've suddenly realized, well, actually, maybe there's something else I want to do with my life. Whatever the reason, whatever the calling, more and more women are considering entrepreneurship as a way of extending or changing their career. So I am interviewing several women, a number of women who have embarked on their own entrepreneurial journey. So you can hear direct from them what it's like, the challenges that they've they've faced and how they've overcome them before you embark on your own. And interspersed with that, I'll be doing solo episodes where I'll be giving you hints, tips, advice, guidance and where to go if you want to start your own entrepreneurial journey. Admittedly, I commenced mine about three years ago now and um, I've had zero regrets. I'm in a well placed right now that with the pandemic, I haven't had to have too much adjustment. I've maybe had to pivot a little bit in my business, but I am, was the best decision I've definitely made in my, for this stage of my career. So I want to introduce to my first guest, which is Shauna K. Lester. And Shauna K. has really found her niche. And she'll explain all about niches in the interview and and why she does what she does. So basically, she helps ambitious college, graduate school and medical residency applicants with their applications to high to top colleges and grad schools in the US. So without further ado, I'll introduce you to Shauna Kay and this week's interview. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of This Woman Can and as you know I am talking to women in entrepreneurship and I must admit when I put that shout out for who should I speak to, whose whose stories do I really need to hear, Shauna Kay was one of the first Shauna K. Lester is one of the first that was submitted. So Shauna K. and I was intrigued when I read her bio a little bit more. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So Shauna K. Lester, uh, she's the owner, CEO, founder of Memorable Essay. And her organization helps ambitious college, graduate school and medical residency applicants stand out in a sea of competition and get into the school of their dreams and programs so they can use their education to impact the world in the way they want to and create a legacy they're proud of. Now, I didn't know this was something that was needing the world, but it does make total sense. And since 2007, she has helped more than 400 clients getting to some of the most selective, and I mean selective, colleges and grad schools in the US and around the world, including Penn University, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, to name but a few. So I am delighted to have Shauna Kay as my guest today. And Shauna Kay, welcome to This Woman Can. Thank you, Janice. Thank you so much for having me here today. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. So as I said, you have have a I suppose the journey, because it's not an obvious thing, the, the role you do now and what Memorable Essay does isn't something right. people jump about a bed saying, this is what I'm going to do. So right. tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Wow. 
Probably, I'd say I got here through inspiration, really doing for other people now what others have done for me. So I grew up in Jamaica. Hi, if you're Jamaican. (laughs) You know how people say good morning to everybody in Jamaica and no one else. I'm joking. But I grew up in Jamaica and I completed high school um, here. And then through the support of several mentors, um, perhaps two key ones, my high school principal and my college counselor, I ended up going to Bates College in Maine, um, landed in the hands of many wonderful mentors there um, as well, just some really sweet people. And so in being there, I got involved in work in the admissions office and actually in the advancement or development office as well. And so I was seeing First, as a junior, actually, in college, I was seeing, you know, people come through interviewing for Bates, and you could tell that some people were super prepared, and some people had no idea where they were. I mean, like, gum, comments, like, oh, what time is the earliest class? I'm not a morning person. (laughs) And so you're realizing, wow, nobody, you know, prepped you for this interview, though we don't want you to be fake. Um, So really just realizing this difference in how people were presenting themselves and that it both on paper and when they spoke about themselves and knowing that that would really make a difference in their admission outcome. Okay. So that sort of like woke me up to it. Then after graduation, I returned to Jamaica. I worked with the same program that had prepared me for college with my, you know, wonderful mentor. So got more experience there. So when I returned to graduate school in New York, um, because I had deferred for a year for family reasons, when I came back, you know, I was still doing that work in admissions, Mm -hmm. because I lived in a house where, you know, people were going to many different schools and in many different internships around New York. And people would ask for support with applications to school to scholarships to fellowships. And then of course, when the volume got really high, I started charging. And so, I mean, these were like ridiculous (laughs) fees, like 17 cents per word. And well, you know, it grew, it grew from there. Yeah. yeah. So what, so when you went to, when you went to university and, and, and did your internship, what, what did you go to school to study? Sure. At the undergraduate level, I did a biochemistry major and a Spanish major. So I was a double major. Um, I completed the pre-medical track, although I ended up deciding against it. But what happened is that at Bates, if you're on a pre-med track, one of the majors that that most easily lends to is biochemistry, because you basically do all the same courses, I think, except for for biochem. So that was how the journey started at the undergraduate level. Okay, okay. So science to memorable essay. Right. (laughs) How how did that, how, or medical, shall I say, how did that transition go down, that pivot go down um, with the family? Because I know what it, I know what it's like, you know, we Mm -hmm. see as parents, and I'm talking as being a parent, you know, we have this, we have this journey and what we see our children are going to do and, you know, through school. And then all of a sudden you say, sorry, parents, not going to do it anymore. (laughs) So it's funny because that actually happened to me twice because when I got into Bates, I think a day or two before driving to campus, I actually got word from Uimona that I had gotten into their medical school. And because my mom had worked there for decades, it would have been a subsidized rate, nicely subsidized. So there was all this emotion around that time because here I am in New York 
waiting to drive up to Maine. And my mother actually did not speak to me on the whole ride up to Bates. Yeah. And she is somebody who cares about me a lot. So I knew her heart was in the right place, but that was very traumatic actually, because here you are and you're really excited for college and you're driving there and you're not being spoken to because you've made this choice, you know, um, to do this thing. Um, And so I think in retrospect, actually, I can probably understand her position in a sense because mm-hmm. I, I see that with different parents and children yes. now you know yes. like the child is yes. like oh I'm going to Uganda I'm going to space yes. and you haven't been to space of course it would scare you <laughs> um, so in that sense I think by the second time um, I decided to not choose medicine right. it was just not something that she oh, was yeah over because the first time had been yeah. such a thing yeah so I actually went to I went to, um, what did I do? Oh, yeah, I went to public health. No, I went to journalism school first, sorry. And then I went to public health school. And it was actually going through the process, which I encourage anybody to do. It was actually going through the process of taking the MCATs, applying to med school, interviewing for med school that showed me that this was not something that I really wanted to do in the sense of, I think, you know, if you go to school, it's one thing, but to excel in a career, it's another thing. But I had to go through the whole process of like applying the second time, interviewing um, a second time. And it was on the ride back from an interview in New Hampshire that I was like, girl, you don't really want this, you know? (laughs) Um, And so we we set about working. Yeah. And it kind of went from there. Fabulous. So, you know, those choices, those are very, what I'm looking for, deliberate, deliberate choices. And I think a lot of women obviously face choice and have these internal battles. So, right. and, and obviously there's an, a, there's an element of confidence because you have to feel if I'm, if I'm turning down what is almost a sure thing to go right, into right. something unknown, there's a level of confidence that's required there. So mm-hmm. how do you keep yourself confident how do you go through that process from a mindset perspective Mm, I I think I'd probably have to switch that up a little bit and if you want me to speak about confidence specifically I can later but honestly I feel like that decision was probably more fear driven because I believe I left for college because I was afraid of not seeing my maximum potential. And I felt the same thing with medicine. It just felt like, I don't know how I did, but very early I just realized the connection between truly being excited about what you're doing and excelling in it. Like, you know, being one of the best in the world at it, basically, if not the best. Um, and I just, I didn't, I couldn't feel it. I could not feel it with medicine. I remember once we had a bio lab and we had to dissect a rat and I went to the teacher and I asked her for special permission to excuse me. And she did because it was just so upsetting to me. So there were many things piecing together. That was, it just said to me, this is something you like and it's something you think it's important. You know, I really want everyone to be healthy. I want everyone to have you know, healthful lives and healthy lives. But the fear of not excelling in my career, I think is what drove me to make all of those decisions. Fabulous. And, you know, and that, and, and that is great insight because quite often we don't admit to the fear. Right. We know the fear is there, but we don't admit to it. And we could easily yes. carry on, and you could have easily carried on that, that, down that track. 
right. and, and probably excelled. But like you say, you would have been miserable um, in that. Yes. It's, not, it's not what it is, for, not what is for you. So Shauna Kay, describe one of your biggest challenges um, and how you overcame it and the lessons learned. Wow. You know what? I'm going to give you an honest answer to this question okay. because I don't normally give an honest answer to people. But recently I've been <laughs> like, yeah, more people should talk about this. But I think outside of leaving college, one of my biggest challenges has been being a caregiver for my mom for the last five years. Right. Um, and I think that that's actually an important discussion that I'd like to hear more of in the mainstream, yeah. especially yeah. for women who are holding down nine to fives or running businesses because yes. it is a whole different world or whatever. Is it Jasmine on the carpet, a whole new world? It just, it blows your mind. And so I think um, it's funny, like just doing this work. And I think a lot of us do things to, you know, one day involve our parents or impress them or take care of them. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a whole different thing to work really hard, knowing that that will not be available to you. You really have to do it for yourself now or for someone else. And I mean, obviously, I've had clients like that, too. Like, they'll lose their parents in medical school or something. And then all of a sudden, it's like your greatest cheerleader yes. is not there. Yeah. And you now have to do it for yourself. So yeah. that's very yeah. challenging. Yeah. Thank you for being so open and sharing with that. <laughs> I, I won't go down that line any anymore but um but i do agree with you especially um in the pan in the pandemic situation a lot of the care people think about it being just child care responsibilities but as you said right. parental as well and a lot of the child care sorry a lot of the care in period um, responsibilities have definitely fallen to women irrespective of where they are in their life. And you're right, trying to juggle that as a nine to five is, is incredibly demanding, incredibly demanding. It is. And I mean, I think it's it's demanding in a way that employers, well, obviously I'm you know, not, I am my employer though, but um, I think it's um, demanding in a way that employers should be sensitive to, yes. because it's not like, oh, a physical thing, well, I'm going to give this person a bath or sit and talk yeah. with them. It's also very, you know, emotionally involved, it's finance, it's psychosocial, it's, it's a lot of things. So yeah, that's a big challenge for me. And it's becoming a bigger and bigger challenge for women around the world absolutely. in jobs and running businesses. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Shauna Kay, um, you're, you, you seem like a, you're a very bright, obviously very bright woman. So what has been your, would you say, has been your biggest career triumph so far? Oh, wow. The day when I sat at my job and was like, this is not it for me. <laughs> I don't know how. But I'm pretty sure at what my salary was at the time, I wrote it down. Then, you know, when you're going through things, I wrote it down and I did all this math. I'm like, well, technically I prepared my lunch. I commute. I prepare my clothes. I, you know, all these things. And so I divided it at what I saw per hour. I said to myself, you know, you have to be able to make this by yourself. Yeah. And so I think the first time in business that I did um, surpass that for myself will probably be the proudest moment ever. Because I just sat at my desk and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. This is like a carrot on a stick. I know I can do this. Yeah. So yeah. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. So kudos, kudos to you. Thank you. So if you had to start off from scratch, knowing what mm. you know now, what would you do differently? 
in business. Yes, business in life. What would you do if you had to start over scratch? Well, probably from business. Sure. In business, shout out to the two best business mentors ever, although I've had several, but that would be Paul Brunson and Jerisha Hawk. I would have niched from the door, which they both (laughs) took about three years to beat into my head because (laughs) I was so stubborn. But I kind of started very broadly, and I do still work with some college and graduate people who are referred directly to me. But my main niche, as in the people I serve most of, are individuals who have completed medical school outside of the United States. So they're international medical graduates and they want to return to the United States or to go to the United States for the first time to train in residency, which is how they specialize in medicine. And obviously having gone through the process in, you know, two countries, Mm -hmm. um, two regions really, um, and being a journalist and somebody who understands healthcare from more of an HR sort of perspective, it's yeah. the perfect niche for me. And I was just so stubborn <laughs> about niching down from the door, despite what these people were telling me. So I would definitely do that differently. And, and it's a lot of um, things people struggle with niching because yeah. they don't understand that if I'm making my pool of people, potential clients smaller, how am I going to get bigger? exactly yeah you feel like you're missing out yes yes so how did you overcome that 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 feeling of you know FOMO fear of missing out right so I think the theme that's coming up here is me making decisions based on fear and frustration (laughs) when sort of like (laughs) the fear is too much Della the frustration is too much rather than logic but I'm trying to serve everyone and realizing that you actually cannot serve everyone well especially when you're super small you know it's just me and a VA I'm at the point of you know growing beyond that recruiting um, to grow beyond that but just being frustrated that, oh, I can't serve everyone the way I want. It's hard. You can't talk to a college applicant the same way you can talk to a medical residency applicant. And so realizing that I was actually going to be stagnant um, is kind of what kick-started it. And then once you do start niching down, something really amazing happens. You realize that people are asking you for more and more things so you can provide them more and more services, which I didn't know before. I was like, oh, but I could do this. I could do interview prep. I could help them edit their emails after their interview, like all these little things. Or I could, um, at the time, I wasn't doing strategy with the people who were applying to residency. And then I realized that so many, you know, of these individuals needed to understand strategic planning, um, that sort of thing. So then you start seeing, oh, I've been leaving all of these opportunities to serve more deeply this population. And then you just kind of, you lean into it, you lean into it. And then you wonder, why were you ever doing anything different? (laughs) Because it's hard enough to take care of the niche, you know? So, yeah. Excellent, excellent. And you've mentioned a couple of times the the benefit or how how fortunate you've you, you, you've been to have mentor mentors. Talk right. to me about talk to me about talk to me about your talk to me about your mentors and the whole process and the and what you get out what, what you get out of having that having those there available to you. Business mentors or yes. in general? Well, well in general, okay. just men, just mentors. I don't. I think that I don't think. I think as women, we talk about mentors, 
but mm-hmm. I don't and, and I'm I'm not sure if people understand the uh, some of us understand the benefit of having mentors and how and and, it, and that the fact it's a two-way process yeah I mean well I obviously would not be where well not obviously but that's something that I know for sure that I would not be where I am without mentors and so that for me started I believe as early as my prep school, which is like primary level education, someone or vice principal named Miss Blake. Um, at the time, as it is with some Caribbean families, when you know they're trying to make it, my mom had gone away to work for a year or something. Right. And I just I just remember having a difficult time adjusting because of that. But I remember Miss Blake really being there, asking me how I was doing, staying in touch with my mom. I still talk to this woman today, right? <laughs> so I think of many of my mentors, they've really been bridges, facilitating me taking one step from one place to another, um, whether it was through their advice, or just them modeling what I want to be or what I could be, sort of thing. Um, Some of them physically would dip into their pockets to help me access things. Um, So for me, I think when I think of mentors, I think of bridges you know, maybe stairs helping you to get to levels one, you probably didn't yeah. even know exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the exposure and then sort of, um, you know, giving you a leg up in the process at Bates, the vice president of advancement, he was my mentor. Um, just amazing, you know, came through in amazing yeah. ways all the time. The Dean of International Students, another amazing mentor. Just all of these people just, you know, facilitating your, your upward mobility, I think, and, you know, modeling for you how to be a decent human being or how to be successful. And the main thing I think I've taken away from having mentors is that I don't like to think of it as networking, but I prefer to think of it as relationship building because it's one thing to get something from somebody and go, oh, thank you. But then I am from a generation where I think we got the last of something called free mentorship. (laughs) (laughs) Now you have to pay for that stuff from like a coach or consultant. Like honestly, the same thing that someone might have seen a young person and just given it to them. Now there's a coach for that, or there's a, there's a life coach, there's a consultant, you know? Um, And so I think having gotten it in that sort of free era it was noticing that, wow, somebody is taking their time and their energy and putting that into you. And so they have to really have a certain level of care for you as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think that if somebody is caring for you in that way, that's something that you respond to by genuinely caring about them as well, because they're a person too, you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's how I think about mentorship. So, so how did you, how how did you go about finding men, finding your mentor, finding your mentors? Yeah. Honestly, I think that mentors find you. Okay. Um, Not, not the paid mentors in terms of like today's business coaches, but you know, I've been a mentor to people, And I really just think it's something that catches their eye. But the role that you play, I believe, is in the part of making them stay. Um, So let's say, for instance, I'll talk with a young person. They ask for advice. I never know if they use it or not. Right. Those are things that I think in my generation, you knew better. You would tell people what you did, how you're coming along. You would involve them. So I think in that sense, I've really been fortunate to have people 
just notice what I'm doing and think, okay, I could lend her some support. Um, in this sort of new era with, you know, paid coaches and so on, I always look for people who I believe share my values. Mm. That's very important to me because it would be very hard for me to take instruction or guidance from somebody who I don't like, I don't like your overall life or lifestyle or, you know what I mean? So I look for that. And I think people who are very, so that, and I think that would be somebody like a Paul um, and people who are very transparent, which is who Jerisha is not like, you know, I got here by magic, you know, but they can really show you step by step how they got there and give you the blueprint. Because I think those are people who, people who are satisfied enough with themselves to show you their blueprint. And I think this is very important. They don't mind if you one day excel beyond them because they know it takes more than the blueprint. Like they're giving you the blueprint, but you now have to have to work it, you know? So when it comes to me choosing people, definitely that I can resonate with their values. They have receipts of achieving what they say that they have achieved and they're not stingy with information, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for that. So what would you, what advice, Shauna Kay, would you share with women embarking on their own entrepreneurship journey? Yeah. Understand as much about what you're about to get into as you can, because as I've gotten into this more deeply and it's been five years, I'll be honest that I would love to have grown, you know, this business not I wouldn't say larger but probably obviously it's business so you want it to be you know functional and financially stable I'd love to be more profitable but I'm also quite proud of where it is and having gotten into it I've noticed that there are levels to this thing all right and so it's like every time you unlock one level you're like oh but there's that you know (laughs) so um you don't want to be on like an endless chase but i think the more you understand about what is possible for you from the beginning yeah that will help you to make some very tough decisions very early on and i think grow faster so a concrete example of that is that i think most of my exposure when i was like oh i can do this you know at my job sort of thing I was exposed to a lot of solopreneurs, just like women yeah. doing their thing. Yeah. You're the only coach, you're taking the sales calls, you're doing the marketing, yeah. you're so yeah. on. But then it wasn't until I got into it that I realized, oh, there are levels. Like you can run an agency, you can outsource this and that, you can hire people, you can teach them your skills. Right. And that obviously is now the level that I want to play at. But I think if I had had that understanding before, um, that these are the different stages and that being a solopreneur can actually technically not be considered really having a business because you can't leave it, right. um, that that would have led me to make some different decisions. So it's just something good to understand. Um, I think as um, a business business proper, you want to have systems in place that you can leave and they still function and maybe even function better than they do with you um, versus you being the system. Yes. As a solopreneur. So I would encourage women thinking of starting out to think about where they want to be eventually and make decisions like that person, not the person who they are now. It's a great piece of advice. And I I, I like the way you think about the systems because 
I know from experience, it's all too easy to get caught up in the system and the process and not let go, you know, and um, I'm having that, probably having that painful conversation myself, like you thinking, okay, how's my business going to grow? But to grow, you are, I am probably the most expensive commodity and you're doing, could you not delegate that, you know, or you know, delegate yeah. that out and actually use your resource, use you as the resource for something that's more financially profitable. So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's yes. an awakening. It's an awakening. <laughs> yes. And there are beliefs that have to die. I think one of the things that can end up working against women who are very confident in their abilities is that that will keep you stuck. I can speak for myself where I feel like the excellence I'm able to put forth in memorable essay. Remember I told you that was important to me in a career where I really and truly genuinely believe that you can't just pick up anyone off the street and they can do this work, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously there are other people who do this work and they're really good. I happen to know also that I am really good at what I do. So the idea of putting my precious clients into the hand of somebody who might, you know, not get the amazing brand that just came out of that person's mouth if they were listening closely, yeah. you know, or because I have worked with people in a freelance manner or had people work with other people then come to me and I'm like, but I can see this immediately. Like I can yeah, see yeah, what's going to get yeah, you in. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. see what's going to get you $30,000. So having to, I don't know, just let go of that obsession that you have to be the talent as well. Yeah. Um, that That's a lot of work because the talent is a major part of the system yeah yeah thank you thank you so mm-hmm. so sorry share with us a success quote or a mantra that you use and why it's meaningful to you Ooh. um <laughs> okay i think the way i think of success is probably one of the things that's most important to me um and that, that would be that the minute that you start chasing someone else's definition of success, yes. you know, you've lost or you're in bondage. Yeah. Um, that, of course, is the reason I was able to leave a job on Fulton Street. One of my friends described it as the immigrant's dream, right, adjacent <laughs> to Wall Street and the waterfront. Um, but just realizing when something doesn't make sense to you or for you. Yeah that has been very important to me. Like it has to be success on my terms because otherwise you're really just running around chasing something abstract. Yeah, yeah. And the question I often ask towards the end, what I'm gonna ask you about as we talked about the definition of success is instead of asking what I, instead of asking what the success looked like, I ask people what the success feel like. That is an easy one for me. Success feels like freedom, (laughs) especially when it comes to time freedom. Right. You know, I have female friends who are in, you know, corporate America, corporate, I don't know, name any country, they're there, right? Um, And they love their nine to fives and they have amazing mentors and so on. However, that was not my case in terms of my first job after graduate school. And I think having such an, I'd say straight up like abusive first work experience um, through our department's director who, you know, eventually they let go, that really sort of slapped me in the face, right? Like the idea that, wow, I could spend the next 10, 20 years having to take directions from someone who I don't respect 
having this person decide when I can take time off. My grandmother died when I was in that job. I got like, what, three to five days of grief leave, which is hilarious. So I grieve in five days and come back. Um, I just knew that that would not sit well with me. I don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone. And I also don't. So I don't think that entrepreneurship is for everyone. But at the same time, I think that means that a nine to five is not for everyone. So, you know, you just find, um, yeah, you just find what works for you, basically. And for me, I think in whatever you're doing, you should feel free. You should feel respected. You should feel like you have control over your time, whether it's a job or it's your business. You know, you shouldn't feel like somebody is building something on your back. Mm-hmm. and you're not being compensated you know mm-hmm. so you shouldn't feel like somebody's building an amazing business off of your back and you're not being compensated it shouldn't feel like your clients are getting the world and access to these life-changing opportunities and you're not being compensated yeah. so success feels like freedom of time and just overall freedom fabulous that was great answer and i, and I, and I knew <laughs> that's what your answer would be i knew it'd be really freedom. i knew it'd be freedom something like, yeah i knew it'd be freedom why um just as a lot of the, the way you talk and the actions you've taken, I, I could see one of your values for you was freedom. Um, okay. Anything you do, I could see that's one of your one of your values. So, Shauna Kay, we're coming down to the last couple of questions now. Um, okay. Um, the one thing for me, the first one here is I'm interested to hear about this one is what advice would you give to your teenage self? Mm. In the words of Esperanza Spaulding, there is nothing wrong with me. Um, I think sometimes when you want different things from a very young age, you know, people can tend to kind of, you know, the ostracization begins. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, I would use the words of this bass player, singer. She has a song. Um, Yeah. And in it, she says, there is nothing wrong with me. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's what I told myself. Yeah. And, and I think that's great because traditionally, um, I think traditionally, I certainly, certainly know I was raised to study, get a job. Yes. The notion of entrepreneurship was for something where people, well, it's a bit of a loser role because you're doing that because you can't get a job. Right. Not that it was, not that it was a choice. And I know I left the corporate world um, yes. at, the, at the heady heights to do entrepreneurship and people looking like what you got a good job and like yeah but like you the values my values had changed over the years yeah it wasn't financial it wasn't a financial it was more about freedom it's more about doing things that I wanted and treating people the way I want to treat people and stuff like that so I can totally Mm -hmm. empathize with you when you talk about the freedom and having that making making that choice yeah there so what are the three things you've learned about yourself during your career, Shauna Kay? Wow, that I am driven by the fear of not excelling (laughs) (laughs) would be the first one that, um, hmm, I I might need a bit of pause in between, but I think that would be the first one. Yeah, I think the other thing which I used to joke about. I would just tell people, oh, I'm Jamaican, ha, ha, ha. I say it like it is. I can't pretend. Um, That was just a joke when I was younger, but I really believe that that is a part of my value system and personality. I really just, I don't have the energy for pretense, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, And 
it just you have to make decisions based yeah. around that as well right yeah. because a lot of excelling in certain places is about being able to play a role and pretend and i mean we i know we all have to adjust and conduct impression management when we're in different settings but i believe that some things require you to step so far out of who you really yeah. are yeah um, and to really pretend that some people just can't do that you know yeah. Yeah. and i think yeah. that i'm one of those people yeah um and i think maybe the third thing is that I can be afraid of my own ambition, which is probably the scariest discovery of this whole journey. Yeah. Because at some point you realize that you actually have to become a different person, not necessarily a worse version of yourself, yeah. Yeah. but basically the version of you who started and was like, oh, I want to replace this corporate salary yeah. is not the same version of you that's going to build an agency, yeah. grow an agency, you yeah. know, put her ego yeah. aside as the talent yeah. to get yeah. other talent. And that, I will not lie, scares me to the point where I have been inactive for months on certain things because I just can't pull the trigger. Wow. So I'd say wow. those things. Wow. And, you know, and I think it's Marshall Goldsmith who says, what got you, wrote the book, what got you there won't keep you there. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a I think that's a title. And it's very true because you've evolved, you know, and this is, this yes. is, and this is your, this is your tier. This is another yes. tier for you. So yes. uh, I wish you luck with that. And I'm sure you'll come, I'm sure you'll come through and make the right decisions for you. Um, just take, you. take the time you need. So my last question, Shauna Kay, as I've jumped my questions around a little bit, is okay. where will we find you uh, typically on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m.? Oh, in my room, <laughs> carefully writing a list of groceries. <laughs> And fresh fruit <laughs> that will be gotten and moving around some money online to go get it and really looking forward in particular to getting the fresh pineapple what? and coming home and eating it all week. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. So that was my last official question, Shauna Kay. But if anybody okay. wants to connect with you or get to know more about what you do, where can they do that? Sure, they can do that at the business website, which is www.memorableessay.com for my niche of international medical graduates, a lovely set of, you know, men and women, it's the perfect niche for me. <laughs> um, they can go to www.imgresidencymatch.com. There's a free training there. And of course, I'm on Instagram at Memorable Essay. Fantastic. I'll make sure I put all the links in the show notes. So Thank you. So if anyone can connect with you, they can do so. So, Shauna Kay, that was my last question. Thank okay. you so much for your time this afternoon. It was a fantastic, delightful interview. Thank you so much, Janice. It has been a pleasure to meet you and all of the other wonderful women who you've spoken to. I also have a podcast, so I know this is a lot of work. So thank you for <laughs> investing your, your time and energy. Oh, what is my podcast? It's called the IMG Residency Match Podcast. 
Um, and it's basically available on every platform where there are podcasts. But Fantastic. yeah, I know it's a lot of time and energy. So thank you for taking the time to interview me and to include me. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Take care. Now, as I said, wasn't that such a great interview? And what I loved about the interview with Shauna Kay is the fact that she managed to niche down, as she described it, niching down, which means she really focused on one particular aspect of her clients. Because sometimes, so often, we are really focused, we think we have to go after everybody. And if we don't go after everybody, then we're potentially missing business. But as she pointed out, once you actually niche down, once you really focus on who it is you want to serve, then the message you give out there, the message you want to do, you want to have, and who you're speaking to becomes much, much clearer. And I also love a couple of things that she pointed out for, that pointed out for her, uh, or pointed out for me, was the fact she said, don't let fear drive your decisions. That was really, really clear in the fact that she was, she'd held herself back. She'd found herself holding herself back because she was fearful. And she was fearful not of failing, mind you. She was fearful of being successful. So she was really scared that if she got to, she did too well, what that would mean for her. So making decisions. And the other thing she said was making decisions, decisions on who you want to be and not where you are now and having success on her own terms. So I really, really love that about her. And the other thing she pointed out, what you didn't hear in the interview, because I did do a little editing um, to for, for her, was that when she was talking about having a carer for her mom, that she actually got quite emotional because you could tell the stress or the challenge of having to juggle the business, having to juggle work and be a carer to somebody you love was really taking a toll on her. And so many women are finding themselves in that situation now, not just being entrepreneurs, but also just be just working for organizations that the uh, burden of care has fallen back on women. So if you find yourself in that situation, if you find that you're struggling a little bit and you want to um, speak or you want to have a bit of a break, really don't forget that you can speak up, look for the help you need, ask for help. I know it's not easy and we don't often don't like asking for help because it can be sometimes we feel a sign of weakness. But this is not a time to have your pride. This is a time to get the help you need and the help that the support you need to see you through where you want to go. And if all else fails, don't forget you can join the This Woman Can community. It's free of charge to join because nobody should feel like they have to figure it out on their own. You really deserve a group of women or people you can trust who understand what you're going through and who generally want to help you succeed. So apart from having this team in your corner, This Woman Can has tools specifically geared to women looking to keep moving up. So don't forget, you can head over to www.thiswomancan.coach to join. It's free to join. You get to have monthly conversations with me. I have monthly conversations with women. We, we just network, we get online, we support each other. And there's lots of advice on the platform, in the group of various things of how to get you through your career challenges or where you want to go next. So that's it for this week. As I said, there's all those support out there. You just have to get over your fear of asking those three little letters, ASK, 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 and ask the support you need to move forward. And always remember, if I can, 
you can, this woman can, take care until next time.